Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Centric Podcast. Uh, we hope to kick off the new show with two amazing guests. So please welcome Isaac from Canoopsie, the king of YouTube thumbnails. And out of nowhere, we got Tosiv joining us last minute. Uh, he is the king of video intros, basically. <laughs> Canoopsie has recently uh, surpassed 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and Tosiv surpassed 4,000. So uh, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, can you please introduce yourself? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you me. so much. All right. Yeah, so likewise. I've been watching uh, you, Isaac, for quite some time. And how about you talk to us about how you started your channel back in 2007, which was almost 12 years ago? Yes, that is true. Um, so basically, I, I, you know, when YouTube started to come out back in, uh, it came out in 2006, 2007 is when it really became a prominent large-scale video platform and that was when I decided just to make a channel just because because why not right so for the longest time uh, for most of the years I've had my channel I was just posting random stuff here and there I wouldn't post anything I'd use the channel as just a, a, a browsing channel uh, then I eventually posted video game video like videos and stuff let's plays and uh, eventually I think in about 20 14, 2015, I decided to convert my channel into a technology channel and just make solely technology videos, reviews, uh, looks at old technology from the past, like revisited videos, um, software videos, a whole bunch of stuff. And since then, the last few years have been great. I've had, there's been an amazing uh, audience willing to watch these tech videos and yeah, it's been an absolutely amazing experience, and that's kind of how my tech channel became a tech channel. That's amazing. How about you, Tosif? Uh, yeah, so for me, honestly, it was uh, it, it was just a long time coming. Like, I've always had an interest in technology, uh, like, since I was, like, I think since, like, uh, high school, I was, like, buying and selling tech on uh, Kijiji. Uh, growing up just because I wanted to keep trying new products and changing things up. So I was always interested in that. Um, however, I didn't really know what creative outlet to use. Um, so I think just uh, this this last year was pretty much my first year actually uh, delving into YouTube. Um, and it was just kind of putting my interest in technology uh, with video. I, I, I didn't know what platform to use. And then I, I decided, you know what, why not just do YouTube? Because I was, I've been watching like Canoopsie. I've been watching like all these other tech YouTubers for like so long. So I had the interest in it. Um, it's just, uh, I guess it was a starting trouble. And I was like, okay, what are what are people going to think? What are my family and friends going to think to actually start it? And then it got to a point where I was so interested in actually creating like stories or uh, cinematic sequences. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't I just merge that with technology and actually get started? Who cares what people think? So that that was kind of like my starting point. And then, yeah, and that's what brings me to YouTube. So as YouTubers, uh, I can imagine both of your lives are extremely busy. So how do you manage uh, YouTube, your personal life, and your education life? Oh, man, it's uh, it's tough. It's It's very, very challenging because... You know, especially being a student, it's it's incredibly difficult because there are deadlines, um, there are social commitments, there's things that are due, group projects, and you really got to decide um, 
it, it's really tough to create a balance between the two because you either got to say one of the things is going to suffer for the other thing. So if I want to make a lot of videos, I want to make a lot of content, I want to make my best content, then school suffers a little bit. School gets put to the like put to the side. You don't focus as much on your projects. You do uh, not as good work. And if you do the opposite, you put YouTube to the side and put school to the forefront, it's kind of the same deal. You don't post as much. Um, you can't be as social as you'd like on, on your channels. And it's just making that decision to create a healthy balance is one of the tougher things uh, when you're having, you know, YouTube not as your full, uh, full-time job or full-time commitment. Now, for me, my I guess the way I'm going to be coping with this in 2019 is hopefully hiring someone on a, on a part-time basis just because it's just not sustainable. I want to make both school and YouTube equal. I don't want to have one more tension than the other. I want both of them to be a major focus of my life. And to answer your question, just to a point, there's really no definite way to have that perfect balance. It's 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 pretty much impossible, really, for at least from my experience. Yeah. So what about you, Tosif? How do you balance wow. your personal? Wow, I, I I just feel so old talking to you guys. <laughs> I'm like at a t like my mind's in a little bit of a different space. So my situation's a little bit different. Like um, I have two kids. I'm working a full time job and um, kind of running like this uh, side YouTube, and uh, I also do like. Uh, videography for clients and stuff like that so i'm trying to balance that and it's actually like um like i mean it's just similar problems just with different faces as uh isaac said it's like in school now i gotta worry about like a full-time job like although i don't get assignments but there's like crazy amount of work that sometimes i gotta bring home or sometimes i just have to end up working late and then the problem is when i get home then i have to spend time with the wife the kids then i gotta take care of the parents and so just like a whole bunch of stuff happening. So it's just honestly my, my what I figured out so far. Like my upload, my upload um, is not at all consistent. Still, right? Like I'm still trying to figure it out. Still trying to work it out. But the only thing, honestly, that has been working for me so far is whenever I sacrifice sleep. That's the only time I'm able to get something up. Uh, so it's either like waking up at five and recording at 5 a.m. when the kids are all asleep or it's recording late at night um, when the wife and kids are asleep. So that's that's the only thing that's been working for me. But yeah, this one's up in the air. Like I'm still trying to figure it out. Hey, no sleep team. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about uh, YouTube Rewind. Because uh, the latest one, 2018, is now like the uh, the most disliked video on YouTube. And it's like within a matter of weeks. I think it's like at 14 million, 15 million dislikes right now. Negatively critiquing things. Uh, like I tend to, like even with movies, like, like I think the worst movie that I watched was like um, Ghost Rider. And that, because the effects were so bad, like the story, everything was really bad. But other than that, like even movies that people don't like, I'll be like, hmm, yeah, like, but yeah, that wasn't good, but there was these positives in it. Like, so I have a very hard time critiquing things because I like, I tend to like everything. So even with YouTube Rewind, honestly, I, I didn't see what the issue was until I saw like all this, like, like people like, uh, 
memeing about it or talking about it. And then MKBHD launched a video on it and people were like, it just became like a whole drama thing. And then I was like, Oh, okay. That's why people are not liking it. But yeah, like generally to be quite honest, I have, I had no idea people didn't like it until, um, yeah, all of that ensued. Uh, so with all this, uh, controversy that happened, uh, this year, so what, what do you think on the whole Facebook situation? Like, what's your opinion on it? Facebook. Facebook is a platform that I dislike, mainly because um, I just don't like it. Like, I, it's not besides the whole privacy thing. It's it's just become a wasteland of of stuff I don't even really want to see. Now, I created Facebook when I was in uh, like early elementary school, uh, late elementary school, I should say. And at that time, I had certain interests. I had certain interests in high school. And now when I go on to, to Facebook, it is a disaster. <laughs> There's all these meme pages I don't want to see. There's all these companies I liked once that I don't like anymore. Um, I just, I don't like Facebook really at all. I just think it's a mess of a platform. And, you know, Instagram being owned by Facebook, I think Instagram is one of the greatest social platforms ever created. It's just genius the way everything is has happened on there. Um, but really the, the Facebook controversy, you're talking more about privacy issues. Yeah, the whole privacy thing, it's just at this point, and it, when it comes to privacy, it's like, what do people really want to know about me? Like, I just, you know, I don't really care. I'm not hiding anything really. <laughs> so, Yeah. Oh, on the con uh, context of talking about Instagram, what do you think of the new uh, horizontal scrolling thing? They just they just pulled it, actually. Yeah, it was a fail. Oh wow, what is this? Like like you shift your phone horizontally and watch stories or something? I didn't get to try it out either, but I saw it all over all over social media. Basically, basically Instagram instead of using the scrolling layout for the newsfeed, they switched it to you tap just like stories. But it's the news feed. You'll see a whole bunch of posts. Uh, just look up new Instagram layout. Oh, that's it's off. That yeah, that does not sound uh, user friendly at all. No, I don't know how the implementation was, but <laughs> oh, I didn't get to try. I just saw it all over uh, Twitter this morning. Uh, so let's switch over to uh, talking about tech. What's your opinion on Apple's lineup this year? Because in term, in my opinion, I think they really like. Uh, complicated their lineup. Could you clarify maybe what you what you mean by that? Well, uh, I think the MacBook Air really doesn't fit in with the Mac lineup, especially with the new uh, iPad Pro. So, yeah. <clears throat> okay, that that makes a bit of sense. Yeah. Um, really, the, in my opinion, it's actually kind of the opposite. They made everything a lot more complex this year um, in terms of. Their product offerings, especially in the, the laptop lineup, there's just so many different variations of, of the MacBook. You got the MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, standard MacBook, MacBook without touch bar. Like it gets, I, I think it's, you know, they've really overcomplicated the iPhone and the MacBook lineup more than it needs to be, to be honest. Um, but I think this year was a good year for Apple, despite all the some of the negative press and despite some of the uh, the stock market uh, fluctuations and down. Yeah, uh, I think they lost $300 billion, somewhere in that range during the holiday quarter. 
Yeah, around that much. Yeah, and then in the holiday quarter it had them bounce back a little bit. So it's uh, it's a besides all the news and everything, the core. But what happens? What matters is the core products and the core services this year were pretty solid, in my opinion, at least. Like there was not really one terrible bad product that was released. I just think, uh, yeah, things are expensive, things are a bit confusing, and that's really all I'm, I'm seeing. Uh, I think uh, the MacBook Air at this point, like the new one's really confusing because like you got the iPad Pro, it's cheaper and it's faster, more powerful. So like the MacBook Air at this point doesn't really fit in with Apple's ecosystem. Yeah, and, and one thing that comes to mind is when I think about that is if you're going to buy the baseline MacBook Air, you can't really do that much on it in terms of productivity. Like you can't really edit as much video as you'd like. You can't really do much Photoshop or other editing like that. But then again, the iPad Pro is the same price. So while you can't do some of the desktop features you can on the MacBook Air, basically it's almost the same machine, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, like, well, you can't do all the pro desktop things you can do on the MacBook Air. You can't really do them on the iPad Pro either, but you get the option of being able to draw, have it so portable and handheld, I don't know. That's that's one of the things that is very challenging to decide on if you think about that. So the new iPad Pro, uh, what kind? I feel like it's really limited to iOS in terms of its functionality because it's touch-based. Everything's touch-based, but you also get the addition of the keyboard. So Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge at first and depends what you're doing on it. It can definitely be a bit of a, a limitation. But from my experience after using it extensively, almost every single day, I actually prefer it over my laptop for almost every task, except for things like video editing and uh, other, just some applications which aren't, aren't optimized yet. Like Gmail isn't optimized. Like most of the Google apps aren't ready for the iPad Pro yet, which is understandable. But it's it's a machine that you really get used to and you learn to love after just a short period of time. I just hundred percent. Go ahead. So, uh, have you tried editing like a full flight video on the new iPad? Minor, minor editing in LumaFusion or, or iMovie, just minor stuff. Yeah, like I, I so basically, I actually got this uh, new thing. Like like uh, Isaac was saying, like I've been using the iPad Pro for um, ever since it launched, and honestly, I actually in any situation if i can use that over the macbook pro i'm using exactly. that exactly. and when i when i absolutely need to go to the macbook pro which is for you know if i'm like editing video even for photos i've started editing my photos on um because i use lightroom primarily uh so i started doing that on the ipad pro like with apple pencil and with my with touch and everything and then if i absolutely need the MacBook Pro, then I'm going to my desktop. Like my MacBook Pro literally just lives with my external monitor now. And I just come here anytime I need to like edit or anything like that. But even that, I found that a way. So um, I was on Facebook the other day and I was just scrolling and I saw this ad uh, for this company called Luna Display. Have you guys heard of this? Yes, that thing is pretty so, cool. So I bought it because um, it was on sale during uh, Black Friday. It came in. And it actually works surprisingly well. So what it does is there's like this USB dongle, USB-C dongle, you plug into your uh, MacBook Pro and then over Wi-Fi, you get um, basically it's like a screen, uh, like a screen mirror 
of the MacBook Pro onto your iPad, except you're allowed to use touch, you're allowed to use the Apple Pencil, everything else works. So it's pretty incredible. I've actually just been leaving my MacBook Pro upstairs and I take my iPad anywhere in the house. I can use um, Final Cut Pro. I can use like all the applications, anything I need to do on the iPad. And you can actually use the iPad uh, keyboard as well. And you can use the mouse. So, wow. so it really opened up so many doors because now I'm just editing Final Cut Pro on the iPad downstairs in like the living room while watching TV. So I was like, oh man, this is pretty, this is pretty handy. But yeah, I think, yeah. Do you, do you find it being a gimmick or do you think it's something that's actually like a genuinely usable thing that you're going to, that you use for like actual like work and pro stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually feel it's uh, genuinely usable. Um, honestly, at first I was going, I, I was a little bit skeptical because, so I'm going to do a video on this anyways, but like I was at okay, first, that's, just watch that. yeah, that's the reason I bought into it. But like, I was very skeptical because I was like, okay, there's probably like input lag and stuff like that. But if your Wi-Fi is good, um, then I, for me, like there's barely, like there's barely any lag, like you can't even notice it. Um, so it's, it's been, uh, it's pretty, been pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Sold. You sold me on it. <laughs> uh, what's your opinion on having Mac OS on an iPad pro? Because I feel like that would really push the iPad pro as a pro device. Well, you know, not really a cross platform because, you know, being Apple or really any company for that matter, they don't want to hurt the, the sales of another product. The MacBook lineup has its own place, just as the iPad lineup has its own place as well. I just think what would be good in terms of software is to not make the iPad a macOS device, but make it just a bit more of its own compared to iOS, like just regular iPhone or what's currently on the iPad. Just, you know, make it have a better file manager, just make it kind of that, that tool that's not a laptop, but is a tool that does things it's so hard to explain what i want i'm sure i'm sure we'll see and i'm sure we'll be uh better clarified as to what exactly works best on the ipad but you know converting mac os and just throwing it on the ipad isn't the absolute best way to handle it i think yeah and well it, well it would work it's just i don't know i think there's something they could do to make it just a bit more pro but mm -hmm. not you know just tossing desktop os on there and just saying deal with it honestly i i feel a lot of people would be uh thoroughly impressed if they just started bringing over pro apps to the exactly. ipad pro that exactly. itself would be like a good enough change uh on the topic of bringing pro apps to the ipad pro uh what's your opinion on full photoshop coming on ipad because it wouldn't really be optimized in the sense that you could do all the features on you would have on desktop uh, convert it into a touch-based computer. Yeah, like from what I've seen, and I hope to test it out as soon as possible, is that it's uh, it's really good. Like it's actually a lot of the stuff is optimized. So when you use it on iOS, it has a lot of the features you get or has all the features you get on desktop, but with some clarifications in terms of touch, improvements to make it make make it easier to actually use the uh, the application. And I think it's going to be a really, really big hit if uh if it's just if it works well if there's no lag if you can do everything you can on the desktop with no limitations it's going to be a big hit and one of the guys at the apple store i don't know if he was right but he told me that uh 
that they're actually going to be selling a one-time purchase version of Photoshop as well. I don't remember how much it but alongside the Creative Cloud version is going to be just a one-time flat fee Photoshop purchase you can get on iOS. And if they do that, it would be an amazing thing if this, the application is as well-rounded as, as we all kind of hope. Uh, what about the Creative Cloud uh, storage? Because I actually do use it a lot when transferring files from Lightroom from mobile to desktop, stuff like that. I think that would be the deal breaker. I think that wouldn't work if... Uh, if that was the option, because you know they got to have a differentiator. I've never even used, to be honest, Creative Cloud's cloud storing features. I just use the straight up, save it on my desktop. But I think yeah. So uh, on the topic of the iPad Pro, have you guys seen the J Rig Everything uh, video where he basically snaps the tablet in half? So since both of you have the new iPad, has yours bent or have you guys attempted to bend it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. So, uh, with the bending controversy, what do you guys think in terms of like real life usage? Like, if you move it around, like take it to school, do you think it's more likely you're gonna bend in that kind of scenario? Yeah, no, I'm sure it's very easy to bend. I'm sure I could bend it too. But, you know, the one of the thing is, is that no one's gonna be doing that. But I understand if you treat your iPad like terribly, if you throw it in a bag and you and you move around with it, it could get bent. It's a very very thin piece of technology. There's no doubt about that. It should be stronger, but I think it's one of those things that you're not going to be treating it badly. And if it does bend, just bring it back to Apple and they'll replace it. It's, it's that simple. And, uh, you know, I, I, it should be stronger. It should definitely be stronger. But then again, if I bend a MacBook Air, it probably would bend. So yeah, like, I mean, that's what I don't understand, right? Like it's with like any product, like, like the iPad Pro is a really thin, sheet of like like it's a screen and they have to keep the weight down they have to keep the quality of it up like it's definitely going to bend if you bend like any other thing like i could pick up my like like my keyboard and just bend it and it'll break right now right like it just <laughs> i don't understand um what the big uh fuss is all about to be quite honest but uh yeah that's me uh with the bending controversy and stuff, I think like the best part of all of this are are, are the memes. <laughs> yeah, the memes are always the best part of the controversy. Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. It's like if you've seen Snazzy Labs' video where he literally takes um, Huawei MateBook and just starts bending it. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, on an unrelated topic, uh, I have to ask you guys, what's the best like on your headphones because right now I have the Samsung level ons. They're pretty okay, but like what do you guys use on a daily basis? Um I'm not the person to ask about this. I, I, I mainly use in ear headphones for everything on a daily basis. And uh I'm gonna toss this to, to see for this one because I have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> Um, I, I've been on a, so I, I've switched between a couple, uh, I had like the Sony MDRs, uh, I think it was like MDR 1000 X, uh, if I have that correctly. Uh, but yeah, I had those for a while. Um, and before that I had the Bose ones, uh, QC 35 version one. Um, I ended up selling my Sony's and I got the Bose QC 35 version two, uh, just because I, I, I love the Bose ones because they're just so comfy. Uh, I like the materials it's made of. It's lighter than the MDRs. And um, my issue with the first version of them was that you couldn't turn noise cancellation off. 
And um, yeah, with these, uh, the second version of the QC35, you can actually turn noise cancellation off, which makes it a lot, lot more usable for me because I usually don't use the noise cancellation unless I absolutely need it, like um, on a plane or subway or something like that. But yeah, that, that would be my choice, but I haven't really delved too much into it, to be quite honest. Let's see. Okay, now we're going to be answering a few fan questions. So the first one I'm going to ask right away, where do you get the best avocados in Toronto? Okay, so uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a thing where uh, you got to kind of know that I don't know all the different sources. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of small grocers that sell excellent avocados. Like there's a lot of small shops, a lot of... Uh, like Asian markets, I would sell them. And definitely you're going to find some great stuff there at some great prices. I've been to a few stores that have some usually good avocados. I recommend Pusateri's. They're a bit more expensive, but you're guaranteed to get a nice, large avocado with some of the best fruit inside. And uh, that's one of the best stores to get it. I would also recommend uh, Monastery Bakery. There's only one, I think. I don't think it's a chain store. It's in Oakville. And their avocados are equivalent to Pusateri's. They're large, they're ripe, they're quality. I would not recommend Fertino's avocados. I would not recommend um, Whole Foods avocados. They're way too small. And uh, yeah, you know, just go experiment, be on the lookout, keep an eye out for those avocados. Don't press the middle of them press the top of them if you press the top of them you're not going to eat the top of the avocado so it's fine if you damage it but if you press the middle you're going to damage the avocado and then no one can eat it. you can't eat it no one else can eat it so that is um that's a so, psa and also my recommendation not like super super soft where it's just like it's mushy if it's hard you gotta wait you gotta wait leave it next to bananas leave it in the sun put it in the oven but look up how to do that because i don't have the exact way how to do that um, but just, you know, push it. If it's hard, you can leave it for a little bit, unless you like your avocados hard. Push it if it's soft. It's good, but not too soft. That's all I got. Mm. And how does the taste change? Like if it's, if it's like hard versus soft? If it's, if it's harder, I find that it tastes more, it doesn't taste as good. It's almost apple-like. It's almost, uh, it doesn't, okay. it, it's like eating like a not ripe fruit. That's what it tastes okay. like. It's missing the taste. It's a bit bitter. It's not all there. And if it's too soft, it takes like a fruit that is just super mushy and, and like just you don't want to eat it. <laughs> okay. Uh, this might be a surprise, but I never actually had avocado. What? What? <laughs> okay, so that's not completely true. I tried avocado before, like just raw avocado. And like it's very, very bland. And that's why I never uh, got used to like liking it. I would recommend getting guac. Get the guacamole. Don't get the standard avocado slices because, you know, it's not the most, it's not the best tasting food in the world. If it's an acquired eat, taste. Exactly, yeah. If you yeah. eat it straight up, slices, it's not going to be the most enjoyable experience. I used to hate avocado. I think it was gross. But then I tried, I tried it in burritos. I tried it with chips and mixed with some onions some tomato, uh, salt, pepper, lemon, lime juice, a little bit of hot sauce, pepper flakes, and I'm sold on it. So, you know. Go to a restaurant, order it one day, try it, get the one at Whole Foods, try one of those, and you'll be sold. Guaranteed. Or have it with like a burrito. Like that's what made yeah. me start to love avocados. I started eating it with like burritos. 
So good. Exactly. This is a pretty generic question, but what's the best phone on the market right now? Hmm. <laughs> for the most amount of people, I would say OnePlus 60. For people who want iOS, I recommend the iPhone XR. For people who want the phone that has everything, the Galaxy Note 9 for the best camera, the Pixel 3. Okay, that makes sense. But question for you, Isaac, follow-up mm -hmm. question. Um, between, if somebody comes up to you and they're like, Isaac, iPhone X from last year or iPhone XR, oh, no. you, which way would you push them? Well, I first, get that first, a lot. I first tell them it is, I don't know what the iPhone X and XR are. Uh, I find that from 10, 10, 10 are. But, okay, uh, fine. Sorry, I had to. I, yeah, I, yeah, good this one. This is why people hate me. Um, <laughs> so I recommend, uh, you know, it's a very, very tough decision, but I think it all depends on price. If, uh, you know, if if the iPhone 10 is significantly cheaper than the 10R for your, way you're going to buy it, I'd probably get the 10. It's very, very similar. But if they're like the same price, I would definitely recommend. I have no idea. I'm lost. Yeah, uh, so I recently got an iPhone XR, but the thing is, uh, when comparing it to the iPhone 10, I don't think like there's that big of a difference. Like, yeah, you get the better processor, but on the 10, you get 3D touchback, you get a better display, uh, another camera, and like it's a really hard decision. Yeah, it's it's a really tough decision. Like I've had a lot of people ask me this, and they end up going with the iPhone XR, and in the end. But it's a very, very challenging decision because they're so similar and they're probably almost the same price when it comes to it. Plus the iPhone XR, I think it's slightly bigger, correct? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. 6.1 versus 5.8. So it yeah, is definitely bigger, but uh, I, don't, I really don't know. I really like the iPhone XR, everything it offers. And yeah, yeah the price is ridiculous. But I think when you actually do a trade-in, which most people are going to do, if you trade in your iPhone 7, and you're in the US, it's almost half the price. Hmm. Like you get it for 450 if you trade in an iPhone 7 or 7 Plus. On the topic of the 10R, I think like the biggest problem with it is the price because it's kind of targeted towards a more budget friendly option, but it's really not. It's like $800. But somehow it's still like the best selling iPhone. It'd be the best selling phone. <laughs> Period, yeah. <laughs> I would get them. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, it's Apple as a company is prides itself on having quality products. And if you lower the price down, it just, well, the it product is exactly the same. same. It's, yeah, it just, it just puts a negative image almost. Like it almost makes it feel like it's not worth as much as it is. And yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know how much Apple plays into that. I'm pretty sure they do. Uh, but like... <laughs> Uh, uh, it's something that you study, I guess, even in business school is that people generally perceive more expensive things as higher quality. And it's just natural. Like you go to like, like a supermarket and there'll be like two different items and one will be like a dollar higher and you naturally, okay, this pasta must be much better because it's slightly higher in price. Right? It's just like basic assumptions people make, but. Oh yeah. yeah. That's just that's basic human, human decision it's how human exactly. psychology yeah why did the iphone 5c fail so much it was a hundred dollars less i think than the the 5s but just based on you know when it comes to apple the apple customers want to buy the best thing the mm -hmm. most people mm -hmm. so they're willing to pay you know a few hundred dollars more if it means that they're going to get the best product that's yeah. just it's just one of those things that apple has to deal with and i think that's why 
Both of Apple's attempts to create a lower price phone alongside the more expensive model have both failed somewhat. Mm-hmm. They both sell very, very well in the end. But in terms of just, you know, investor viewpoints, they both failed because, you know, it's not the best thing. That being said, they're still very expensive and they should definitely lower the prices because they're very expensive. Yes. I also, yeah, the fact that most of their products went up in price this year was kind of disappointing. Yeah, like if you were to get an iPhone XS Max, like maxed out model, it's like 2000 Canadian dollars. 2000 Cool $2,000 <laughs> for a phone. That's a bit much. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be the last question um, of the interview. So, do you guys like Indian food? Yes. Yep. I love Indian food. Yes, yeah. it is. But, uh, yeah, like... Uh, so, so Indian food is like I eat Indian food a lot, but a place that I tried recently that I absolutely fell in love with was um, have you guys had Thai food? There's this place called Suko Thai in uh, downtown Wait. Toronto. Okay, literally. Well, are you on Wellington, like near Wellington? No, no, it's in the East End. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll be going. I, I got to give it a try now. <laughs> to be honest, so I've told a few people and a few people were like, okay, we've tried the one in Mississauga. We've tried other locations and they weren't as good as the one in downtown Toronto. So I'm not, sh- I can't vouch for that one. <laughs> but uh, the one in Wellington and uh, front, that one was really good. Uh, okay. And we've been like, I- I've been going there a few times now. What would you recommend I order if I go? Oh, dude, they have like, like, it all depends. Like the, their green curry and their panang, I think that's how they pronounce it. Panang curry, curry is really good. Um, they uh, And if you're in the mood for like noodles, then their cow soy is really good as well. So yeah, I've tried a few of their dishes. Okay. No, I got to check it out because it's a place that's right. Like I can literally see it most days and yeah. it's, uh, I got to check it out. I'm going to do it. Okay. Okay. Let me know how it is. So that was the end of the show. Thanks to Tosif and Isaac for uh, joining me on this podcast episode, the very first one. And a special shout out to uh, Bleak, who sponsored this. And uh, they they let me try out their new headphones. And overall, they're pretty good for the price. So if you have any questions, join our Discord server. We would gladly answer them there. Follow Sarif and I, Rongbin, on Twitter and check out Knoopsy and Tosif's YouTube channels, which would all be linked down below. Thanks for wa- uh, thanks for listening, I should say.